Good morning, everybody. Welcome, everybody, to Greater Alton this morning. Uh, my name is Gary Chapel, and uh, I am I'm one of the elders here, and I uh, fulfill this role on occasion. How's that? And uh, happy to do it. Happy to be here. We're glad you're here. I see a number of new faces that I don't know who you are. I want to let you know we're happy to be here. Hope I get to meet you, get to know your name. Uh, Tim has been talking for the last several weeks, I believe about seven weeks, because this one is, this lesson is titled number eight. This lesson is called Mastermind. And specifically we're talking about having the mind of Christ. There's a couple different passages that that is found in. One of them is in second, is in first Corinthians chapter two. And guys, this, uh, this is very significant. I think it's a, it's a, it's a fabulous topic. It's a fabulous series. Because too often in the world today, uh, Christianity is, is, can tend to be, let me say, a rules-based religion. When it was intended to be something that transforms individuals. And specifically, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it tells us that our minds are be to, to be transformed. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it, and it says, let God change you into a new person by changing the way you think. And I can tell you as, a, as an individual who struggled through a rules-based religious approach for the majority of my adult life, that having my thinking changed to be like Jesus is a much more pleasant experience. And I believe that's what Jesus is intended for us to be. We are, I mean, anybody that has even a limited understanding of the Bible, the limited understanding of the teachings of Jesus can, can, will probably very quickly agree that we are called as His followers to become like Him, to imitate Him. Another way to put this is we are called to represent Him in this world. You see, a lot of times we want to be God, alright? Meaning we want to control things in our lives. But we don't want to be like God. And that is what we are called to do, is become like God. Okay? What the, 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 the purpose, the mission that Jesus gave us as His disciples, as His followers, was to represent Him in this world going forward. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 4, it calls us ambassadors for Christ. Now this was really just a renewal of the original design and purpose when God created humans and put us on this earth. Did you know that? We were called to be His representatives. That's what it means when it talks about we were made in the image of God. We are to represent Him to creation. And Jesus says, I'm renewing that. I'm calling you back to that back to that idea of reset that we talked about at the beginning of the year. And we are to become like Christ. We are to think like Him. And I find that refreshing because, you know... I'm 57 years old. I'll be 58 here shortly. And I have had more than one occasion where I find my way of thinking hasn't really worked so well. 
Anybody else had that experience? You know, thus the saying when somebody's complaining about something and her, and they go, well, how's that working for you? I found far too often in marriage, in my career, in my relationship with my children, in my relationship with others, that it's not going so well. And when I get back and I examine it, you know what the difference is? I think differently than Jesus does. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, it's going to be all roses. You get thinking exactly like Jesus and everything will go smooth. It didn't go so smooth for Jesus. That's not the goal. A smooth, comfortable, easy life is not the goal. The goal is to be like Him. And that's what we're chasing. And that's what we've been chasing. And today, uh, I'm going to be talking about a topic, if you noticed in your in your notes... I says the abused and ignored instructions of Jesus. And I titled that, I, I was tempted to say the most abused and neglected instructions of Jesus. I thought that was overstepping. Okay, maybe it's the most popular of the abused and ignored instructions of Jesus. And that is with regards to judging. All right. I mean, you know, young folks have developed this. Well, when my kids were teenagers, you know, I started hearing this phrase, don't judge me. Don't judge me. You know, and they, they were talking mainly about trivial things most of the time. You know, don't judge me. But guys, the truth of the matter is, how many times has adults, followers of Jesus, said, do not judge me. Jesus tells you not to judge me. And they quote this passage, it's in our notes, in Roman, or excuse me, in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus flat out says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Now, personally, I kind of like that. Because nobody likes to be judged, right? And guys, how many times do you see that where somebody says, don't, you don't have any right to judge me. You're wrong for judging me. Jesus says not to judge me. Okay, they're abusing that passage because Jesus goes on and we'll be talking about this as we go on because for the way you, he's not saying don't judge. He's saying be careful how you judge because how you judge is the way God is going to judge you. So it's, it's abusing it to say don't judge and don't judge me. Now the other side of the coin, there's, that's not the only abuse of this passage. You know what the other abuse is? My job is to judge. They look at this passage and go, yeah, he's not saying don't judge. In fact, we need to be in each other's business. And it's my, it's our job description to be judging each other. Back to this rules-based religion I was telling you about. You see, because if you're going to judge, what do you need to judge? You need rules. Okay? And so guys, there's, a, there's an abuse of it where we either, we either say, oh, let's don't judge at all. Let's ignore what everybody does. You ignore what I do. I ignore what you do. Or there's the other extreme where we go around judging every last little thing that each other does. And that's, that, that's where it's abuse. The other, that's the abuse. Why do I say neglected? I say neglected because this isn't the only thing Jesus had to say about judging. Alright, the, the next passage you want to look at there is in John chapter 7. 
where Jesus says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. You see, guys, we're going to talk about here in a minute. We are supposed to be judging. Jesus has told us to judge. And we neglect what Jesus has to say about judging when we don't understand all that He has to say, and we don't look at all that He has to say, and we look at one thing, which, by the way, that's a bad idea on anything Jesus has to say. Just to take one little segment of it, one little verse, one sentence, one part of a sentence, and, and to just to let that be your guide. There's a balance that needs to be had, and we've got to do that by looking at all of what Jesus has to say. Now, guys, when it comes to judging, I've been seeing this as a real, how do I want to say? We live in a judgmental world, do we not? Is that fair to say? Okay, and I'm talking specifically America. And a year ago, when COVID world struck, I saw a tremendous opportunity for followers of Jesus to, to shine like stars and to be different than this judgmental world that we live in by really refraining from judging. And I'll get to that a little bit more in a minute. But guys, what happened was COVID world exposed in me my desire to judge. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, you know, and you could take any extreme. I mean, COVID world was just, let's just talk about masks. And there are so many different guidelines and so many different places you could fall in your judgment of other people. You know, you see somebody without a mask and you make a judgment about them. You see somebody driving down the road with their mask on by themselves in the car and you make a judgment about them. Somebody attends an event and they're not wearing a mask and you make a judgment about them. And guys, it, 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 the world is just full of it. It's, it's full of judgment. And that's just, that's just COVID world. That's just masks. Do I dare even mention politics? Okay, and all I'm, t- I'm telling you guys is I'm just saying, this is the world that we live in. And we have to understand, guys, that though we are a citizen of the United States, as a follower of Jesus, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God first. And we need to recognize the differences. This, path, this next passage in your notes here is kind of a conglomeration of three passages. You'll see there I've put together. It's uh, three tellings of the same story, whether Jesus told the parable multiple times or uh, they use different wordings. I find the different descriptions here uh, to be very enlightening. And that's why I did this. Guys, it's taken from what's called the parable of the soils. Sometimes referred to as parable of the heart. Where Jesus is talking about the word of God and how we respond to the word of God. And he describes it as four different types of soil. He talks about the path. He talks about the shallow soil. The thorny soil. And then finally the good soil. And guys, I've outlined, I've, I've ch- chosen to focus into it right now in this passage. That has to do with the thorny soil. Because I believe that anybody that is a follower of Jesus for any length of time at all 
has to battle thorns in their life. In fact, it says that good soil only gets to be good soil, only produces a, produces a crop by persevering. I believe that persevering is pulling thorns. Because there is just a natural tendency to be influenced by the world. This is what it says. It says the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life <clears throat> and the deceitfulness of wealth The desires for other things come in, pleasures, and choke the Word, making it unfruitful, and they do not mature. You see, guys, as I I approach this lesson, I I am making an assumption or a premise. Alright? And my premise is this, that followers of Jesus have a tendency to follow the example of the world and ignore or minimize the desires of our King. I'm not saying that we're bad people. Okay, this is my struggle right here. It is so easy for me to let the worries of this life, okay, in the past, earning a living, raising my children, paying my bills, making more money, Becoming somebody, proving I was more than just a poor kid from Alton. That choked out the Word of God. I wasn't focused on becoming like Jesus. And guys, I believe that's the tendency of every one of us. And if you read through, if you've read the Bible through, I think you'll agree with me. Is that not? God's followers are faithful for about this long in the Bible. And then what happens? They become unfaithful. Okay, in the Old Testament, it's through other nations and other gods. And guys, this is just the human condition. That we get focused on what we see and our physical surroundings, what's right in front of us. And we, 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 it chokes out God's word. It chokes out the words of Jesus. And so guys, today as we want to, as we want to talk about this, um, we want to look at what our king has to say about judging. Alright? And just a, just a, a forewarning, this is a two-part lesson. As I was preparing it this week, I thought, wow, this really divides real well right here. And so today we're going to be talking about what are the desires of our king when it comes to judging. I've already talked about that he desires for us to judge, and that's going to be my first point. I'll get to that in a minute. But what does he say about it? What does he desire for how we judge, when we judge, when we don't judge? And then next week we're gonna, it's gonna be a little bit more practical, a little bit more how-to. And we're gonna be talking about, uh, how do we judge? How does he want us to judge? And we're gonna be looking primarily, there's three passages, three chapters, if you wanna jot these down and be really prepared for next week. Romans 14 and Romans 15. And 1 Corinthians 2. Those are going to be the three passages we're going to look at. But today we just want to talk about what does what our king desire? So when it comes to judging, here's what Jesus desires. Number one, he desires me to judge. That is correct. I said it. Jesus judged people. Are you familiar with this? Now, some of you may know your Bible a little bit. 
We'll go Gary in Roman in John chapter 12. He said he did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. That is correct. What he is saying there is judge is not my job description. It is a role that he performed as needed. Uh, one of the things I, oh, I'll get to that in a minute. I'm sorry. It wasn't his job description yet. Let me go ahead and do it. Uh, how many of you are old enough to remember the movie Hoosiers? Indiana basketball, 1980 something or another. It was about a story from the 50s or 60s or whatever. And, uh, I have one of, I have several scenes from that movie that I like to quote. And there's one where the new basketball coach comes into his first practice and one of the dads is coaching, coaching the players. And, uh, he's, he, the, the, the dad tells the coach, I figured we'll do this and we'll do this and we'll kind of, uh, uh, ease them into things. And the coach says, let's get this, let's get, let's get this personal here. Okay, let's get, get a little close to it. And the coach says, your coaching days are over. And the dad looks at the coach, and here's the line. He goes, Mr. There's two kinds of dumb. There's the kind that gets naked and goes out in the snow and howls at the moon. And then there's the kind that does the same thing in my living room. One of them I'm kind of forced to deal with. Okay, what is he, what is he saying? I'm not gonna deal with the guy that wants to go get naked and howl at the moon in the snow. That's his business. Let him go. But the guy that does it in my living room, I need to deal with. And guys, when you look at Jesus, he wasn't going around looking, you're wrong and you're wrong and you're going to hell and that lifestyle is wrong and don't do that. That wasn't what he did. But when somebody got in his living room, but look at Matthew 16 when Peter pulls him aside and rebukes him. Jesus told him, he just opened himself up, exposed him to what was going to happen. And Peter says, Peter pulled him aside to rebuke him and says, never, Lord, that's never going to happen to you. Time for a little judging. Those famous words, get behind me, Satan. And I believe, guys, if you look at Jesus, you would talk about the Pharisees. Jesus judged the Pharisees because they were constantly coming at him. They were judging him and he was, he, he was forcing their hands. Okay. I gotta deal with this dumb here. Guys, we are supposed to make judgments. Look at this passage in, in, in Matthew chapter seven. We've already read verses one and two. And he explains himself in verses three through five. And this is what he says. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now there's a couple things there. He's, he's telling don't judge everything. Because basically what he's saying, there's some people that aren't worthy of your judgment. They're going to attack you for it. But guys, how do you decide, if you're going to follow the words of Jesus here, how do you decide who is a, who is a dog? Or who is a pig? You have to make a judgment. You have to make a judgment who who is worthy of the pearls of the kingdom of God. You see, guys, we should not be running around judging everybody. But we are to be making judgments. That's why next week and and what I'm going to be talking about is so significant. We are to be involved in each other's lives. 
We are to make judgments. Jesus judged. Second thing, guys. Oh, wait, wait, let me, I'm sorry. Let's look at this next passage here in Titus chapter three. Okay, it says, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Interesting, interesting point brought out here. Number one, back to what we said. How do you identify a divisive person without judging? You have to make a judgment in order to fulfill this. Instructions from our Lord. You have to judge. That's number one. But but notice a key, this key point here. And I wasn't sure where to throw this in here. So this is where I'm going to throw it in here. There's a difference between make, between judging and executing a judgment. Okay, there's a difference between making a judgment and condemning someone based upon that judgment. Okay? That's what he's saying here. He's saying it's your job to identify, judge, a divisive person. You are not to condemn them. They're self-condemned. You don't need to, you don't need to worry about anything else beyond that. Identify them and stay away from them. That's your judgment. And guys, that's very significant. We'll, we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about this next week. Because when you, when you get into, to judging, that doesn't mean I have to make a judgment. If I decide, in Romans 14, one of the things it talks about is showing contempt for one another. When I judge you for doing something that I, that I believe is, is against the values of our King, the values of our Lord, okay, how do I treat you because of that? And we'll talk more about that again. But anyway, a second thing that Jesus desires for me when it comes to judging is for me to judge correctly. Boy, now you set the bar pretty high, isn't it? I'm supposed to judge, and I'm supposed to do it correctly. That's why I like to abuse Matthew chapter 7 by not judging. Number one, I want to let you know that uh, you have the tools. You have the wisdom. You have the ability to judge correctly. All right. Too many times I know fear dominates us. I know that's a big thing I have to battle in my life. And we don't want to make a judgment because we fear we'll make it incorrectly. But Jesus tells you we can do that. He says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Not only does he expect me to judge, he desires for me to judge. He desires for me to do it correctly. Have you ever thought that Jesus has faith in you? Do you think about that on a regular basis? Jesus trusts you. This is what he's saying here. He is trusting you. He's trusting me. To not only obey him to judge in certain situations but to judge correctly. See, guys, that encourages me to say, okay, I need to learn more about this. I need to understand this. See, now the, he, he says, stop doing it by 
mere appearances. And back to what I was saying about we are influenced by the world because the world is constantly barraging us with information. I mean, the world is, 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 is challenging the citizens of the kingdom of God, our values, on everything, and especially with regards to judgment. And one of the things that the world tells us to do when it comes to judgment is to rush to judgment. Have you seen that? Have you felt that? I mean, if somebody does something, somebody missteps, somebody makes a little boo-boo, and bam, there's an explosion. And too many times, guys, it's, it's, it, you've got to investigate deeper. You've got to investigate deeper. That's what the world is doing. Guys, uh, one of the things I believe it, it, the world is, is challenging us right now is, is to make judgments on partial information. We get one piece of information and we don't, we don't dig into what else is going on. There's a proverb in uh, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 17 where it talks about the first to tell his story seems right till another comes along. Okay? And the first piece of information is there. There's a, there was a, uh, I'll tell this story and it, it just, it just illustrates the point. And you, and you know this, you don't have to go there. There was a, uh, announcer for the Denver Nuggets. I don't know if he did radio or he did TV. And, uh, he's, he's announcing a game. And while he's announcing a game, what is he, what is he also doing? Because this is the world we live in. He's tweeting. Okay. He's putting statements out on Twitter. And apparently the Denver Nuggets were really shooting the lights out. Okay. And we're really shooting well. And he was wanting to send out the tweet. The Nuggets are shooting great tonight. And so now, how many of you have fat fingers on your phone when you type? How many's ever, how many's ever hit the wrong letter? Okay. Now, now he said, the Nuggets are real, he, what he was tweeting is this is what he claims. I think he's right, because I have fat fingers. The Nuggets are shooting the lights out. Well, if you look on your phone, and you go to press the, the letter U, what is it right next to? What other vowel? I. What letter am I going to next? What about the letter T? What is it right next to? R. Okay, now I don't know how, what he misspelled. I don't know if, if spell checker was involved. Okay? Or autocorrect. But let's just say it didn't say nuggets when he was done. And there's a big explosion. He, he's suspended. He's labeled a racist. I don't know if he is or not. I'm inclined to believe the man had fat fingers and should have proofread before he hit send. And but guys, there's a rush to judgment. Guys, we do not need to be that kind of people. We need to make correct judgments. And that's one of the biggest ways that we can do it is just to simply say, I want to judge correctly, and I want to make sure I have all the information or most of the information. How many crimes have we had all this this trial by media, and then more information comes out? 
How many times has that happened? It goes on, guys. Jesus expects us to judge correctly. Number three. This is big. Jesus desires for me to focus my judging inside the kingdom. Inside the kingdom. Guys, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there's a situation that the church is dealing with. We have somebody inside the church who is being openly, grossly, sexually immoral. The Bible says a man has sex with his father's wife. So is his mother or his stepmother. Openly, he's not trying to hide it. And the church says, oh, we just need to be forgiving. We just need to love Him. We need to accept Him. We shouldn't judge Him. And Paul writes to him in 1 Corinthians 5 and says, I've already judged Him. I've already turned Him over to Satan. You need to kick Him out of your fellowship. And he goes on to say, guys, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside the church? Guys, how much easier would your life be if you didn't care about all the crap going on in the world? Peaceful. Peaceful. Inauguration day. I made a point not to turn on the TV or the radio. I didn't want to know about the riots. I didn't. Now, if I would have known somebody who was inside the kingdom of God, who claimed to be a follower of Jesus, who believed, believed he was trying to follow Jesus, and he was headed for the capital to be a part of the riot, I would have been involved with him. I would have had a conversation with him. But I don't concern myself with those things outside of the kingdom. You know, uh, the Masters Golf Tournament's going on this weekend, right? And have you heard who's not at the Masters Golf Tournament? Does anybody know? Tiger Woods is not. Do you know why? He had a car wreck. And what is the article I read about yesterday? Did he get special treatment because he was Tiger Woods? He was going twice the speed limit. Had a crash all by himself. There was a bottle of pills in there. I don't know if that was reported. Or if that's fake news, I don't know. Guys, that really doesn't fall within my purview. You know, to quote one of the most popular quotes of uh, of our generation, to me anyway, that I like, is, ain't nobody got time for that. Guys, we're, we're, we're to be invo- we are to be involved in each other's lives. We are to make judgments. And that's going to be the focus of next week. How do we do that? Because it's still not a job description. We're not to be going around picking at each other. Okay, but we are to be involved. And if we're going to be involved the way our king desires, to make judgments, and to judge correctly, We've got to quit paying attention to all the other crap. Let's stop discussing with each other what politician did what wrong. 
Okay, for me, please don't bring up Governor Pritzker. Okay, for some of you, I won't bring up President Trump. Okay, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, we don't need to discuss that. Let's talk about how we follow Jesus. Let's talk about our desire to follow Jesus. Let's talk about how we can follow Jesus more closely. And can I say this? I invite you, tell me when I'm not following Jesus. Do that. Take some of the energy you're doing, you're spending on judging what's going on in our world and focus it on how I'm doing following Jesus. Don't talk to me about a mask. Talk to me about how am I treating my wife. Okay? Talk to me about how I'm representing Jesus to my employees. Don't talk to me about the vaccine. Either side. Okay? Or if you do, it's just curious. Let's let it be in passing. Let's focus on what goes on inside the kingdom. That's where Jesus wants us to focus. That's what he says. Fourth thing, guys, that Jesus desires when it comes to this topic is Jesus desires me to know the dangers when judging. There's all kinds of pitfalls, and we need to be aware of them. The first one is I'm choosing how God will judge me. Okay, and I, I let me just throw this out here. This topic of judging, I'm not, this isn't, what I have to say this week and next is, is by far not exhaustive on the subject. And one of the things I just thought of this morning was this, what are you saying? This is how God is going to judge me. However, I judge other people is the measure that God's going to use to judge me. Now, I believe that may apply to this life. And the reason I say that is there's a story in the Old Testament about King David, the man after God's own heart. And most of you know the story about he has sex with Bathsheba, has her, comes up with this conspiracy to have her husband killed. He does it, uh, lives in secret, takes, takes Bathsheba, marries her, keeps it all a secret. Shh, nobody knows. And all of a sudden Nathan the prophet comes to him with this, this story about this guy that stole this other guy's one little, little lamb and, and, and for himself. And David gets enraged and he says, that man's awful. He needs to pay back four times what was, what he took. Because that's what the law said. And Nathan says, you're the man. Now we can talk about God's forgiveness and all, 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 all the other. But do you know that David had four children die after that? He pronounced judgment. That guy deserves to pay back four times. And David had four of his children die. So guys, I, we need to realize there's a danger for that. God does have an influence on what goes on around us in this world. God d- does. And that judgment may be sick as... I'm going to trust the blood of Jesus at the judgment. <laughs> All right? And so I'm not sure it's a different standard, but guys, we need to understand God is going to judge us either here or then based upon how we've judged people now. Second thing, 
Second danger is judging disputable matters. All right? And we're going to dig into this deep again next week because that's what Romans 14 and 15 is all about. Basically what he's saying, there's some things we need to make a judgment about and there's some things we don't need to make a judgment about that we can disagree and it ain't that big of a deal. God doesn't care. And back to what I said, ain't nobody got time for that. Romans 14, verse 13, that's what it says. Therefore, let's stop passing judgment on one another. And guys, that is the truth. We may decide that somebody we disagree with and they're seeing it differently and we judge them as being wrong. But do we pass that judgment on them? How do we view them? Do we now discount what they have to say? Do we now look at them through that filter? Well, they believe this. Do we look at them with contempt and discount them? Well, they can't speak into my life because they, this over here. It's a disputable matter. I was having a conversation with, uh, with Barb beforehand and we were talking about our experiences with, 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 uh, with our past with different churches. And we were just talking about the rules that God never intends for us to have. I don't know if you know this or not, there are 43,000 denominations in the world. Now back when I first started coming to the church that became the Greater Alton Church, it was, it was, uh, uh, it was my first exposure to the, the churches of Christ. Okay, now if you go to, you want, they used to have a book. It's called Where the Saints Meet. Okay? And in that book, it's where all the churches of Christ meet, so you can find a church of Christ wherever you go in the country. And the beginning of the book, it had a code with about 16 footnotes. You remember this, Bob? And these notes were, what these different churches were, different lines they'd drawn. And some of them were of some really, what I would call disputable matters. Whether or not you can eat in the building. Okay? And Tim, Tim tells a story about a guy years ago that was, you know, it was one of these churches and you can't eat in the building and I, I don't know, the preacher was eating his lunch or doing something and they, they had a building out back, a fellowship hall that he could eat in and somebody caught him eating his lunch in the building and, and said, you need to go back there to eat. And he made the joke, can I chew on the way? You know, guys, disputable matters. Basically, it does not matter to our salvation. It does not matter of how we follow Jesus. We need to be aware of those. Uh, fourth thing. Or that third thing. Third thing. Danger is judging the world. I've already spoke about this, but we're to be focused on judging those inside the church, judging those inside the kingdom. And the standard is based on are we following Jesus or not. 
The fourth danger, the last danger here, is judging by the standards of this world. Guys, this is where I started and this is where I want to end today. And the truth of the matter is, we are influenced, we are hammered by the world around us. We are like little bubbles of the kingdom of God as we walk around. And as we walk around, we may have a standard that says, I won't, I want sexual purity. I don't want to lust, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be bombarded by sexual images. That doesn't mean I'm not going to turn on my TV and see sexual immorality as defined by God presented as the norm and not a problem. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be tempted with greed in whatever capacity I I exist for you. We are influenced constantly. We are called on to take a side. And guys, I believe the more and more that we focus on the desires of the King, the less and less we will be influenced by the standards of this world. But Jesus says that is a danger. We are to make correct judgments. Guys, as we close out today, I've got there on the bottom of your notes a decision. And it's, will I represent King Jesus through my life by recognizing, choosing His desires when I judge? And guys, as, as we close out, I, I, I just ask you, is, 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 that may be already be your decision. That may be, go, man, Gary, that's my desire. My desire is, is, is to represent Jesus and His desires, period. Amen to that. You may be looking at that and going, well, that was my, decision before, and yeah, I've been influenced like you're talking about. Can I ask you to hit the reset button? And guys, I believe this, I believe this is all my heart. I just did this this morning, myself, while I was praying. Okay? And that is to pledge my allegiance to Jesus over and over. Now, I'm not saying, I pledge allegiance to Jesus, I pledge allegiance to Jesus, I pledge allegiance to Jesus. I'm not saying that. I'm saying on a daily basis at least. You're telling God, I want to satisfy Jesus' desires. I want to represent you and your son in this world. I want to see your spirit leading me as I go through the world today. See, we're told in 1 Peter chapter 3 that we're supposed to set apart Christ Jesus as Lord. And we're told in Romans chapter 10 that part of our salvation is confessing Him as Lord. Confessing with our mouth. And I believe it's something we, we, we tend to look at and we do once and when we're done with it. We don't have to remind ourselves. It's just assumed. And can I encourage you to, to make that pledge of allegiance to other people? Those who are, you are closest to within the kingdom of God? I'm asking you to do that. This isn't a requirement. This isn't a rule. I'm encouraging you to do that. Husbands and wives, say it to each other. Remind each other of it. On a daily basis. I'm trying to satisfy Jesus today. I'm just trying to be like Jesus today. I want to be like our King. Pray together. I want to represent the King well. And guys, let's talk about it more. I encourage you, the next time you start talking about COVID world, the next time you start talking about politics with another believer, 
And don't limit that just to believers in this building, all right? Because there's other people following Jesus outside of this building. Is that right? Okay? And God's going to put those in your life. You don't have to meet together in the same place on Sunday morning to be fellow believers in the kingdom of God. But let's make that what unites us and not whatever else you get together for. Guys, let's let judging be an area where we pay attention to the king's desires. If nothing else, it's a beginning point where we can start saying, listen, I want to st- I recognize I judge when I shouldn't. I recognize I judge incorrectly. And I want to satisfy the king's desires. But not just limit it to my judging. Let's go and pray our Father in prayer. Father, thank you for today, God. It is, it is, it is great to be able to talk about this. Father, I am, I am happy that COVID world has exposed this in me. And Father has been in my face for the last year, so I cannot ignore it. Father, I want to be like Jesus. I want the world to see Jesus through me. In what I say, what I do, how I am different. Father, I pray that for every citizen of your kingdom, not only in this building, but in the entire world, that that is our desire. Father, we thank you for the salvation you've given, for the blessings you've given. And Father, I ask that we recommit and pledge our allegiance to Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.